0: So hello everybody. Hello again. Uh welcome to Wild Roof Journal's first a uh, Zoom reading. So we have so many good contributors to share their work. I don't wanna get too bogged down uh, to to give you info at the beginning, but I'll say a couple of words, get a quick intro out of the way and then really just get on with it. Thanks again, everybody for joining us. It's always so great to get get feedback and to get people excited and willing to to join in and participate like you all have. So um, just a, a couple of words it's really extra cool to have people from all over the country and even maybe a, 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 another country or two. Uh, I think we're even in the <laughs> perhaps the UK and Australia, just off the top of my head, uh, in addition to all around the US. So it's always cool to get kind of a pretty wide range of people and creators. Um, and it's always nice to to revisit some past contributors. So I think everybody here represents, I think, our issues between issue 11 and issue 16, basically our issues from this year, this current year. So it's always good to connect with somebody who might have been in an issue a couple of months ago, revisit what they're doing, uh, at least say hi, keep up with their work maybe on social media. Um, and an event like this is just another way to, to reach out and engage. So um, planning to do more of these events in the, in the near future, um nothing set as far as the schedule yet but just to kind of throw that lightly out there um, I hope to do more of these in the future some of you most of you might already follow the wild yeah. roof journal instagram accounts um if you don't you can give it a follow we're also on Twitter same handle wild roof journal um, that's not as active but we got a couple of plans in place to be a little bit more active on Twitter and it's probably a good Good point to uh, shout out our, uh, our co-host, uh, Misty, tonight. Uh, she really pretty much set up this event. So uh, even though I'm giving the intro, Misty's probably the one who deserves the credit for organizing, uh, preparing, or organizing the, the the Google form and all the behind the scenes technical stuff for uh, for tonight, so extra thanks to Misty. And on that note, um, I set up a tip jar. Um, and any optional, obviously any tip jar contributions will go to our volunteer helpers behind the scenes at Wild roof charm. So I'll put that up, oh, there we go. Uh, it appeared in the uh, the chat feature, so again, totally optional. Um, but just to kind of throw a little throw a little uh, extra out there. Uh, the second thing that you'll see in the, chat is uh, a link to uh, an interview that I just took part of uh, this afternoon. Um, So uh, there's a uh, a writer named Becky Tuck, and she does a substack called LitMag News. And she uh, she invited me to join in this afternoon and chat for a bit. So she just posted it, um, and I put the link in the chat. And if you want to check it out, if you're familiar with Wild Roof Journal, maybe it's a little redundant, um, but she did post the uh, a recording of, of our Zoom call on YouTube as well. So a little extra Wild Roof content uh, for you there. And uh, I think I already saw Peter Peter Mitchell. Yeah.
1: Yes, I'm here. All the way from the other side of the boat. Yeah, so you're one of the participants. I think I'm one I mean of the participants. Uh, th- today here is Thursday, and, and uh, I gather Wednesday evening in the U.S. Is that, am I correct? That's right. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. Inter-taps? Yeah. Okay. My um, first poem that was published by Wildwood, Wildwood Journal was a poem called Onion Patch, which is a memorialization um, of my father and stepfather. And if I'm correct, it was in issue 11, I think. Anyway, here goes Onion Patch. In memory, and, and just a little bit of background, some of the towns that I refer to are small towns in New South Wales, which probably means nothing to you. But anyway, Onion Patch, in memory of my father, Vince, and grandfather, Charlie. With the soil now tooled at my feet, I stand fork in hand and pause. I turn my eyes to the blue dome, a million reflections deep, memory's image a chain of reaction. Vince's sweet pickles, two pounds of any vegetable, two pounds onions, till as a cookery book for two and five the your backhand strip bequeathed my childhood. The cookhouse in backyard thornton. The vegetable garden edged with onions. Nearby, the compost pit. Your work of renewal. A shadowy presence opened your boyhood in Kansas, Kandos, town of coal and cement dust. The backyard was inclined away from the back door. Again, onion leaves, lean in the air. Your father nurtured these bulbs for survival, soups and stews through the Great Depression. I turn the earth again. The see all kinds powder the clumps. Onions become memory seals. Your and your father's hands hold these vegetables. Now you're digging in the onion patch is closer
0: than I think. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. We'll keep it rolling. Uh, I saw Amy on our list, Amy McGrown.
2: Hey guys, thanks so much, Aaron and Misty, for the invite and setting this up, and all of you guys for joining all the writers um, and, and listeners. So my piece appeared, I think, in the January issue, and it's a personal essay about my mom, who is a very gifted and talented writer and artist who passed away last year. It's called Ebb and Flow, Sea Change, Boston Harbor, Gulf Coast, Chesapeake Bay, Florida's Gold Coast, a beach in San Diego, then finally returning home to the main coast, she had all the moves, my mother, all the right moves until our, my father left us, left her, left me alone on the island where they'd met 25 years before. Island, air thick with the fragrance of spruce trees, crab apples thud in sync with the footfalls of deer hooves, the rush of the brook, its belly full of spring rains and snow melt. Time is tricky on the island. We lose track of it. Measuring the passage of moments by the level of the tide Angles of sunbeams, degree of birdsong, dampness of dew beneath our feet, shift of the wind. Time like speed limit signs and milk expiration dates is just a suggestion. Cove, my mother in a dark green canoe with the man who tried too hard to be my father, serenading her at sunset, water smoothly reflecting their love. Here's where so many years later, I kayaked to escape the mother I had unexpectedly become to my mother, cooking her dinner, buttoning her blouses. Here's where the teenage me hit the six-pack of Budweiser, between the jagged, rocky ledges. Here's where I swam every time I returned for a visit. The water like ice even in July. My mother applauding each dive like an Olympic event. The image captured over and over in faded Polaroids, blurred Instamatic snapshots, 35-millimeter glossies and all wedged in a shoebox. Me diving in, taking a leap of faith, escaping my life and later hers. Tidal wave. Sudden and random as grief, it hits, this tsunami of dementia. I should have seen it coming, but I was an ocean of self-absorption away. Her memory first to go, then the accidents, a bridge, a garage, a parking lot, then nothing makes sense. Moldy sandwiches in the cupboard, her fuzzy pink slippers in the freezer, and I returned to keep watch over her restless, rootless soul. My mother wandering down the stairs at 3 a.m., the same stair creaking like it did when I'd sneak in drunk in high school. She's an apparition in flannel in the misty meadow, never quite getting to the edge of the water, and now out to sea. Her recollections come in waves swept out to sea, returning on the breath of a moment, teasingly washed to a shoreline on the fleeting flash of a wave, She is isolated on the island of her mind, aqua, distant, on an island of dreams, the syntax of her life in unfinished disarray. And in the end, a teacup of ashes perched on the rocks, Easter sunrise with my mother, me breaking the thin ice of ice so I can scatter her in a favorite spot on earth. And even in April, spring is as false as my smile. Thank you.
0: Beautiful, Amy. So we already have uh, two, uh, two memorials to parents. That's a, a nice start, a nice way to begin.
3: I'm here. <laughs> I thought I would read both of the poems that were uh, in issue uh, 15, which was the one before this one, because they're, they're short. Perfect. Um, and I appreciate being part of this and having them published in the journals, just wonderful. Uh, this is Channel. The lamp sends down a cone of light, lifting me from night. I require nothing of myself, my mind. No one awake to make demands. No work lists, trying to remember, scheduling, cross-checking. Nothing is signed. Reading nothing I should. Watery eyes, pages blurring, the world's bewildering ways. Injustices remain unspeakable. I step into the current. Little fishes, spots of bioluminescence. My finger touches their backs. And this is uh, hope. <laughs> it, it takes some guts to write a poem called Hope, I'll just say that I realized that. Um, and maybe it may be a little different from what you might expect. Hope, how we came to it, we did not know. We were a long way from the ocean. We walked for a long time. We could not say why we kept going. Lack of alternative possibly. We drank from a deep hole, water cooled in earth. There were tall trees with thick bark. Needles softened our steps, then mountains, snow. We descended to a coast. Fish and fruit were plentiful and we ate. How we came to any of it less than clear. We told stories that pretended to knowledge. Everything we saw was full of meaning beyond us.
4: Thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Hi there. Good
4: evening, everyone. Cheers, Erin and Misty, for for organizing this. Thank you. Um, If okay, I'll read the the poem that was in issue 15 and then a very short new one. Can we read
0: that? Absolutely. Very good.
4: Okay, this is titled Bone Eater Whale Fall. All I know, not know, for I know nothing, and nothingness is a liquid thrum, self wide. Endless, I may die this way with no sense of what death is, I might begin and end with only this. Then now there is a now, a dragging towards upheaval, cataclysm, the gong sound of an all-new order that animates, that sings a sad whale song as it begins and ends with a tender laying down in the dark. I make my way by chance as seafarers often do to a deep place of blind and slow bursting life. I now know life. Here I settle and open to receive its sustenance. How could I have known to have faith that this great gift existed? I root down in a new eternally secret world that will make me an ancestor though there's not not much to me at all. A translucent cylinder of light where there is none A tiny bit of current where there is nothing else, but now awakened, now cradled and nourished, an infant at a bony breast. And a new brief one. Next to go around, I will see it all from three heads higher. I will have sycamore bones and boat broad shoulders, and if I sit cramped on benches, others will say, more room, more room, and set me apart with space to unfold. I won't be bound by green and weedy things that can die on the vine. I won't just swim across the river, but downriver to the sea, where deep things will flee deeper as I drink it into my mass. When my hands grip, I will feel only yielding, and if there's need, I will hold forever. I will neither fit nor be folded into another's arms. When I do the folding, I won't notice the ghost's memory of delicate hands, of far fewer choices, of wariness of people like me. Thank you Thank you help. so much.
5: Um, I, I think I'm next on the list. I'm Kate Walzer. And my dog hey, is also hello. a bone in my So I'm just gonna set him, set him down. Um, I'm grateful to have been published in issue 14. Thank you, Misty and Aaron, for making this happen and everyone else who's here. I'm excited. Um, this poem is called Geode. Hands craft a legacy on the horizon, combing through clouds. Reach toward a reimagining, unearth a collection, glimmering tools, precious and polished. Remember when you wish to become an archaeologist. Remember the gentle touch of discovery, decades of healing powers on reserve. Wait for the right moment to strike, to reveal what we know to be true shimmer, strength, and unnerved love to the core, rose quartz frame, and you know the rest. There's always an exhale to reach you when your sales need a push, elixirs and petals, texts from trustworthy friends, the right words for those less than right moments, this bounty, this beauty, this brilliance, the best part, we're all in on it. Um, and then I'll do another little one that was recently published elsewhere. It was a shout out to my dog because it's from when I was walking him. Um, walking the Pinetum, May, 2020. The new moon can't bear to show her face. On the baseball field, a pair of geese preen in peace. Coral berry blooms around the contemplation circle, gifting a quick hello from a hummingbird among the conifers. In my headphones, a score composed for the planets. My little pigeon scattering companion chases the breeze as we move toward the castle. His clover damp mustache and paws get lost among tufts of untamed lawn. How strangely lush the months grown grass. How red the wet underbelly of an acorn. Pine blonde tail flexes as a squirrel bows toward a burial. Behind the ivy of the stone-tucked transverse, lights and whales move west toward home. Thanks.
6: I think I'm up. Adam, hello. Hi. So thanks, everyone, for being here, and and thanks for having me. Mine is an essay that was published in Issue 15 called Submerged Stories, Breaching History. It's far too long to read, so I'm just going to read the end, but to set up that end, let me tell you that I'm a historian and I go to the Snake River in this piece and see what I call ghost landscapes, that is all the things that had happened here before. So this is just the end of that. The river and its cultures aren't only intellectual puzzles to be solved but history is to be felt. What I feel rattling in my bones are the stories ghost landscapes tell. Truthfully, I sometimes wish I didn't hear these stories and couldn't hear the absent voices. Knowing this history can feel like a burden. If only I muse, I just saw beauty in this land instead of the brutality that mingles with it. I'd see rocks and plants instead and note the sparkling water. I'd hear bird songs and waves and might not lament the power lines stretched along the ridge or the fish no longer teeming in the currents. But that's like asking for ignorance, and I know this is no responsible choice. Still, when the river pulls and I descend to it, I imagine its different pasts. I see indigenous people fishing abundant salmon at the rapids now submerged. I see the core of discovery taking notes about these hills and trading for dogs and dried food. I see steamers loading fruit and unloading goods at bustling communities. But lower granite and all the other dams foreclosed that history, smothered those landscapes in the unsparing logic of the engineer and planner. The essayist Scott Russell Sanders once wrote, I am suspicious of the logic that would forestall occasional floods by creating a permanent one. And as I gaze across the placid reservoir that has replaced the wild rapids of the snake, I share his skepticism. And when I can take it no longer, when the inescapable weight of history becomes uncomfortable to bear, and my imaginative longings push me toward depression, I head back home, climbing the canyon. I sense the Naxa Yamtama, with their Nimipu relatives and neighbors tending plants, perhaps the bitter root, here before the reservation. I imagine the erstwhile horticulturalists eking out their living, harvesting musket grapes before reservoir waters flooded their vineyards. As I ascend further, I see a few ranchers still at it, their Angus cattle clinging unnaturally to those precipitous hills. Early one summer evening, I meet a truck coming down the steep, twisting road without guardrails. It pulls a ski boat, heading for the boat launch I just left, planning for a couple hours of carefree recreation. This playtime, uncomplicated by the ghosts, I cannot quite fathom. I don't know the unfolding story for those boaters, but their world too will know change. and someday, a historian like me may lament what they lost when the dams were breached, but I will cheer the ghost reservoir. Thank you.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much. Looks like uh, J. Thomas Brown will be our next
7: participant. Hi, Aaron, uh, and uh, thank, thank you for publishing my poem. It it's, seems like a good home for it was really, uh, really glad to, uh, to be accepted. Uh, I was in um, issue 15 in July, I think it was. My poem is uh, Landfill Doggeral. One thing is certain and the rest is lies. The flower that once has blown forever dies. I heard the whoosh of the bending sickles chime and decided to clean up my rubbish while there was still time. I threw my hoardings into the yard where it grew into a mound, toys, boots, and books, a blender with a crack that made a clattering sound, a broken vacuum cleaner musting up the closet, a TV without knobs to shut it off or turn the volume down. In the garage were stacks of boxes and cans of lumpy paint a mower that wouldn't start, a bike with a broken chain, a sink with a rusted faucet, and a polyvinyl chloride clogged up kitchen drain. Then all at once came a nagging doubt that it might be better not to throw it out and get more shelves, or a bigger shed, or maybe buy a bigger house instead. Straightening the clutter inside my mind, I heaved the mound onto my pickup, jumped behind the wheel, and started it up it bucked and jerked when I let out the clutch. The tires bulged, the frame groaned. It couldn't hold so much. I stomped on the gas and got on the road, headed for the dump at last. When I got there, I was not the first, joined the growing convoy of Humvees, flatbeds, vans with trailers, SUVs. You couldn't turn around if you changed your mind. They just kept on coming, adding to the line. We slowly crept forward, Inch by inch, inhaling the landfill breeze, scented with a mix of garbage and the decay of commodities. I backed up to the dump dock as the sun was setting low, threw my trash into the dumpster that was soon to overflow with armchairs, couches, cinder block and tires, rubber gloves and packing straps, plastic chicken wire. They hauled it with a tractor to a methane belching ziggurat and spread it on the towering top. Every day thereafter, they added to the peak 12 hours a day, seven days a week. On the way homeward, I reflected on the dump and how the people of the future would find it in the ground and wonder with amazement how their cities are built on ancient garbage mounds. They'll brush away the dust to find my sink and faucet, unclog the kitchen drain, fix the TV, fix the mower, start it up, then draw the conclusion we could make nothing last and decide they are lucky they were not born in the past. They'll pilot on a starship then blast it off through space to terraform the Martian craters with our toxic waste. And by the way they are uh, N- NASA is actually planning to uh, dump on Mars by the year 2030 and they're thinking about uh, the uh, Elon Musk's starship as you know a possible means of getting the, the garbage there. Thank you so much. Yeah. What to do
0: with trash? It's an ever-present question. <laughs> and it looks like uh Ryan,
8: you'll be up next. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm Aaron, Misty for putting this together. Um I'm gonna read first um a poem, those fishy Featured in issue 15. And since in August, actually a few months after, I had like a little collection come out and it's in the collection too. So, you know, the shameless false, you know, self advertising, right? (laughs) Um, But this poem is called Tulsa. We drove through the backwoods of Tulsa in a hatchback red with fading rust, past redwood barns, water towers. And miles and miles of open field where herds of black cattle crowded the golden lawns like dust mites circling round a sunbeam. A remnant of a bygone age where men knew the land and pasture and prairie were one and the same, wild and untamed, endless and free, all horizon line and zephyr sky. There we were cutting cross country, admiring the view like a postcard, rumbling down the flat black asphalt, unaware of the irony, enjoying the seeming seeming boundless stretch while driving along a boundary. And real quick, I'll just read another poem from this collection. It's called Charlie. Um, Thank you. It's named after um, a pet turtle I had that, sadly passed away a few weeks after I got it, as pet store turtles often do. This is Charlie. We brought Charlie home in a great glass case and placed him carefully on the bureau. He was small back then. Red streaks ran down his side like great bursts of brilliant flame paddling about in the water like a fiery comet cutting through space. I spent hours with my nose pressed against his tank, watching him hunt for bobbing pellets. As far as I could tell, he was my first friend, my first confidant, the last emblem of my innocence. But like innocence, pet store turtles don't last very long. And after Charlie died, it was safe to say my boyhood was gone. Thank you
0: awesome thank you and at, at the end don't let me forget i'll let everybody make their shameless plugs so you won't <laughs> be the only one um uh, so that's one of the, one of the fun things is to swap um you know links um social media handles whatever so at the end we'll we'll have a go around and post uh, to the chats congrats on the book well done uh sarah sarah okay. Crosscuts.
9: Yeah, so thank you so much for organizing this. This is so great. It's just good to see all these creative people all together on one screen. I appreciate the opportunity. So I am going to be reading a personal essay that actually was published way back in issue 10, I think. I think it was November of last year. Um, It's called Connectedness. On October 30th, 2018, feeling disconnected and fragmented, I left my family, my friends, and my home to embark on a bucket list adventure to the remote Inupiat community of Wainwright, Alaska, a place far north of the Arctic Circle. I worked as the middle school and high school science teacher in the small village school. The kids were tough and I was an outsider. Even as a seasoned educator, my first day in the classroom with the sixth graders was indescribably difficult. Reaching to connect with them, I decided our first lesson would be comparing the animals found in the Arctic tundra to the animals found in Richmond, Virginia, my home of 28 years. They spoke of the majestic raven, and I of the sweet songbirds of the temperate climate. As the weeks passed and we continued to learn from each other, I felt trust taking root and relationships budding. We were growing our connections to each other, intertwining our cultures, much like plants use a tiny network of fungal roots to connect and communicate. One day, one of my most difficult female sixth grade students handed me a traced drawing of a songbird. To me, it was a simple sign of peace and acceptance. We are all the same, no matter our climate or culture. We all need the same things, a connection to others and an acknowledgement of our inner beauty and wisdom. Edward O. Wilson defines the hypothesis of biophilia as the innately emotional affliction of human beings to other living organisms. Innate means hereditary and hence part of the ultimate human nature. Connecting ourselves with nature can provide us the space and breathing room to unearth our own inner beauty find our voice, celebrate our gifts and confront our fears. Sitting amongst even the simplest setting in the natural world has positive effects on the physical body and can move one from a state of thinking to a state of mindful being where peace, joy and clarity are sustained. Discovering our place in nature, our interconnectedness to all living things fills us with humility, gratitude and awe. We step outside of our stifling small world into the big picture where we can exhale. Backyard garden or bucket list outdoor adventure of a lifetime, our relationship with the natural world challenges us to practice our patience, boost our bravery, and raise our resilience as we learn to go with the flow and connect to life's circle, reminding us we never have to do this alone. Perfect.
8: Thank you.
0: So, it uh, looks like John, you'll be up next. Yeah,
10: thank you so much for the, for the chance to be published, for the chance to do this. Uh, it's an honor, and this is a great choice. I thank you. Um, I'm going to read uh, a poem called The New Pattern, which was published. I just checked. It was issue 13. Uh, so, I guess that's uh, March, something like that. So, um, yeah, The New Pattern. <laughs> I spend too much time beside this small stream standing staring trying to decide if i belong to the mosses and lichen or the scavengers hiding my dog noses the slush beneath the branches of oak maple the solitary cedar that stretches its splendor in winter while everyone else slouches narrow and naked like a child i try to be surprised again to look through your eyes a red leaf under ice is the iridescent wing of a fly. I wonder what to make of the radiant web on the skin of the water. I think I see a memory of our bodies in happier times, our fragile veins like dry lightning, summer moonshine, or else a sign of my desire to shatter, crack apart, piece us back together. How I want to climb this bone-cold bark, weary my arms, burn away my seeth and fever, and throw myself to the forest floor, to bleed for you, a new pattern, in
0: snow, and pine straw. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, you know, I wanted to mention John. I had a, a, a colleague uh, who read a piece of yours somewhere else. I'm not even sure where. It might have, perhaps, on Instagram or somewhere else. And they posted a message that it reminded them of my writing. oh great (laughs) (laughs) so it was totally not connected i mean they didn't know really you other than reading your piece wherever wherever they saw it so it was just a funny connection i was like yeah i I know i know that guy um i I will be in your name short (laughs) i don't know if that's a compliment or what but uh it's true (laughs) well it's a compliment thank you
11: so it looks like it's me next Hello, Victoria. So, oh, hi, right how are you ahead. doing, Aaron? Thank, I, I just wanted to thank you, Aaron, so much for uh, publishing uh, my poem in issue 12. Thanks, Misty, for all your technical uh, prowess because I certainly have none. Um, I just want to also let you know that uh, The Hatchet Sun, which you published issue 12, uh, is the title poem for my collection, uh, full length collection, The Hatchet Sun. And uh, that's under contract to be published uh, 2023 uh, by Finishing Line Press. In the interim, oh, thank you so much. Yep, thank you. So, uh, so we will forever be linked uh, with, the, with my title. Uh, I'd like to read two poems. One is The Hatchet Sun. The Hatchet Sun. How empty the lake with no water, weeds, grass and dried cattails, where water once was, where water hid fishes, where water gave deer a drink. The lake lay bare like a lover, the first glimpse unclothed, where I am toppled by heat, where I struggle for air, where water once was. A lone vulture calls, I squint, raspy, drawn out, hissing sound where birds of prey convene, where water once was, where carcasses now grow, grunting like hungry pigs or barking dogs in the distance, where bones turn from pink to creamy yellow, where water once was, and fishes and deer, where the hatchet sun sets. Without knowing it, thank you, Lovely. Tom, I um, I think that must be a, a ghost landscape. <laughs> so thank you for that. Very inspiring to me. Uh, this one's a little lighter. Uh, this one's a little bit more like, you know, for current day. Uh, this one's going into a publication. Um, hopefully uh, that'll get picked up. It's called Shaving the Yak and Other Poems from the Dog Chapel. Um, just putting that together now. I was uh, married for 23 years, uh, divorcing for seven. And um, now looking back, um, there are all these little things left over that I keep saying, oh, that was a, I should have, hmm, that's something I remember. Hmm. This is called little things left over. I was the bride of Frankenstein, lightning white streaks, black wig, interior wire frame for height and shape. We were married then, just moved into the new house on crystal, perfect for entertaining and cooking. It was the first adult Halloween party we'd hosted together for family and friends. Costumes were not optional. My birthday's the next day after trick or treat. We'd hosted a leftover witch, my mother used to say, so I bought myself a ghoulish cape. We'd argued the week before about his costume. Larry agreed to be Frankenstein. I had bought the green makeup, cut up old black pants but he really, really wanted to be a baseball player, which is really, really what he had wanted to be in real life since he was a kid, his dream. My brother was the werewolf, amazing brown fur on his face, neck, chest, arms, hands, an ascot and a pink polo. There was a proctologist, a nun, Little Bo Peep, Superman, the Grim Reaper, a witch, Morticia and Gomez Adams, the devil, the bride of Frankenstein, and a Royals baseball player, wooden bat in hand. I forgive you now, Larry, years later, for not being the kind of monster I needed. Thank
0: you so much. Thanks, Victoria. Hannah would be our next reader.
12: Okay, great. Um, Thank you so much for having this. It's been so great to hear everyone else read. Um, Okay, I'm going to start with The Final Sting, which was published in issue 16. I'm leading into the sacrifice of being nice to you. What was your favorite album of the week? Did you sleep with anyone last night? We looked away, scraping the connection of our feet to the asphalt, but our mouths stood still, frozen on the fight about smoking weed, and how quickly you gave up, as we emptied out a gallon of sighs. Crawling back to each other's senses, we tempered the strokes of falling leaves, letting our chests open to the hives to be torn apart by love one last time. My voice trailed inside you as you turned off your ears, a bee that wouldn't stop stinging. I pretended to still have eyes, lifting my face to get lost in the hustle of smiling for the passerby flies. No time to ease conversation through, my tears hummed more loudly in place. Both of us crunched down, looking for branches to hold, for each other to be anything, but still alive. Okay, thanks. Um, And that was the one from Wilder Journal. And now I'll read um, Invisible Spiders. And this was published by Rough Beast, which was a series from um, Indola a while ago, during the pandemic. Okay, Invisible Spiders. It took me a while to learn how to live with brain fog. My smile starts with shaking skeletons before I press on the brakes like a madman. My dating profile states that I'm taking COVID-19 seriously. My laugh collapses into your ears as you wonder what kind of alien I am. It has been exactly two days since I have stalked my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. Wanting more leaps of departed ha-ha's, I tickle you with nervousness, expanding at the great wall of solitude. Spiders communicate through vibrations and pheromones. Who understands invisible illnesses? Or that smaller spiders can survive higher falls. The sinking starts at my chest and lingers like a fly circling chocolate cake as I take another bite of trying to hear you. I ask your avatar every place you have been in the last six months. Spiders have excellent eyesight. They use their webs to think. Okay, thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Anna. Thanks so much for, for everybody and sharing a piece. It was a little bit difficult just to not want to comment. You know that's kind of part of part of the podcast and the roundtable. You want to dig in, and say, "Well, I like this. This worked. This this worked this way, and that worked that way, and this is what was good." Um, so that's not the event today. We just appreciate it, and, and uh, I, I want to thank everybody for, for sharing their hard work um, and some of their successes along the way for, for getting published. It's not the easiest thing in the world to get something published. As I'm sure everybody here is. Super aware of. Um, so when it does happen, um, it's nice to be able to to, sh- to share that, and to uh, to kind of enjoy it. With that being said, I mean a couple of a couple of wrap up items. Oh, the uh, the new issue of Wild roof Journal-, Journal is in the works. Planning for a uh, first week of November release. So if you are following us on social media, you'll see it when it's released. You'll be Hopefully, seeing that pretty soon, and might not make it for November first. I like to get it out of, out of the way on the first of the month, but um, certainly that first week. Secondly, um, if anybody does have something to plug, promote, mention, um, feel free to post it in the chat section. Um, a link to a book published, a link to your website, social media handle. Um, I'm you know certain. Uh, We've all enjoyed somebody's work today, uh, if not everybody's work today. So, um, you know, it's always a nice little boost to get a couple of followers on a social media account or a couple of views on a web page. So um, please feel free to, to post uh, anything you got uh, in the chat and I'll, I'll let you linger a bit and I'll click where you need to click and visit, where you need to visit and bookmark, what you need to bookmark and all that. Misty, do you want to say hi to everybody? <laughs> thanks again to Misty shout out round of applause
12: okay. Hi, <laughs> that's me yeah no thank you all for coming tonight this was really fun uh we haven't done anything like this before so we were just kind of planning as we go and hoping for the best and it really turned out incredible so thank you all for your bravery and for being willing to share yeah we
0: were worried that you know is there gonna be too many people, too few people, like I said? So uh, nice nice size of the group, manageable, yet feels like almost like we are in a room. that would be about the about the amount of people we would have in like a in a real life poetry reading. 20, 25 people, that's perfect. It almost felt like a real uh, in person event, if you just imagine a little bit. Uh, so yeah, thanks again.
5: Thanks everyone.